You are listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that looks at lesbian and queer women on big and small screens. This season, we are delving into the global phenomenon of Juliantina. I'm Sheena. My pronouns are she, her. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. Monica McCowan. My pronouns are she, her as well. And I am a lesbic author and Juliantina superfan and aficionado, I guess, which is why I was invited to be on this podcast. But uh, extremely excited to, to get to relive one of my favorite fandoms that I've ever been a part of. When we left off last time, Panchito walked in on Beltran having been hit over the head because he was trying to rape Lupe. Then there was a whole scene with them. Then there was the dinner with Nasty Chick. She was being nasty to Gia's new girlfriend. I think we've been calling her Maya. That's right. And that's important for this episode. And then also, Sylvina asked Lucia to go and basically kick Jules and Lupe out of her house. And so she went and had a conversation with Jules and Lupe and they told her about the body switching things and stuff. And so now Lucia knows that Jacob is not in fact the hitman. We start with Jules and Lupe moving into the new apartment and being overwhelmed by what Panchito's managed to organize for them. It's a nice place and nicer than any of the sort of places they've been living up until now. Except for Chevy's house. Interesting thing about that scene is that after they've come in and and admired the place, Jules is very much like, we should have said thank you to Sylvina. We should have told her we're leaving. And Lupe was very much dismissive of it and like, well, we had to go in a hurry. And Jules was like, no, she needs to go get some flowers. But also that she doesn't want to see Valentina because Valentina wanted space. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition and very like sweet almost in a way, which is not what you usually think when you think of Juliana. You don't think Juliana's sweet? Uh, I don't think that that's the thing that she leads with. Okay. Especially if you're thinking of them as a couple. Val is very open and kind of heart on her sleeve type. And Juliana will always help you. But I don't think she trusts a lot of people and I don't think she really puts herself in a lot of situations where she wants to be vulnerable. Okay, that's fair. And then after that conversation, we cut across to Val, who's now standing outside Sylvina's house and ringing the doorbell and trying to get the attention of Lupe or Jules, who's inside, and they're not there. And she's looking increasingly frustrated and concerned and upset. Right, because we already know that they have moved on, but this is the first time she's been there and nobody's been there. So she has to assume something horrible happened because Lupe's still like technically in hiding. So Lupe's not supposed to be going anywhere. That's true. And so she bangs on the door and she calls and there's nobody and she's looking very worried and unhappy. Unattractive. You asked me a very long time ago to pick my like favorite Valentina Carvajal outfits, and I picked this one <laughs> for sure. And then she talks to the driver, Alirio, and he seems sympathetic. You know, he's a sweet dude. And then we, we cut back to her house, and she walks in, and Sylvina's gotten flowers. And Sylvina breaks the news to Val that she asked them to move out. Val takes it really hard. Like, her face is a lot of things going on there. 
Yeah, she takes it hard, but she's very diplomatic about it. You know, you can tell, like, her whole face falls, to your point. But she tells Chivis, like, thank you for letting them stay there as long as you did. Very typical Val fashion. But yeah, you can see she is devastated. And angry. She's definitely angry. She's got Mm -hmm. her arms crossed. And then she, she looks at the note that Jewel sent with. And it's just basically, thank you for letting us stay at your house. No f- address, no way for Val to get in contact with Jules. Except that she has Jules's phone number, so, you know, there is that. Now we cut back to Jules, and she's walking along the street, and she's looking at dresses in the window, and, she's, and then we have a flashback of the time when Val was talking about what a great designer she is, and how all her friends want her to, to design their clothing. And it's just this really sweet moment between them. And you look back at this and I was like, wow, this feels like forever ago, hey? Yeah, they're just little babies. So much has happened. And it's really that thing where Val was the only one that was pushing her to achieve those dreams. And now Val's in a very strange place with her. They're not actually connecting properly. Yeah, but I think, you know, this is making Juliana think what she still wants out of life apart from Val because it's the story of them but it's also the story of her kind of figuring out who she is and what she wants for as hard as it is I you know I like because it was forced on the viewer this time when they can become a little more self-actualized as independent people I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that I shall ponder All right, now we cut back to Jules has come home with some groceries and Lupe is sitting on the couch with nothing much on and covered with a blanket. This was such a weird scene. I watched this. Do you know what happens here? Yes. Okay. Is this where she has like the sex dream? It's, about, it's coming. I, mean, she, I think she has sex it's with Panchito. Okay, she just had coming. sex with Panchito. She's naked. Panchito's not there. Uh, she was like on the couch she has a towel or like a blanket on to clarify right but she's very clearly naked like this you can see her shoulders the way she's holding the blanket like it's clear there's nothing underneath and it's very awkward kind of moment between mom and daughter they don't really talk about it but they're sort of skirting around the issue and she's asking about the flowers uh lupe is asking about the flowers and whether or not she sent sent them to sylvina and Jules is like, yes, and then there's this funny little moment where Jules just looks over at her and it's very clear that she knows exactly what just happened here. And Lupe sort of covers herself a little more and looks embarrassed. And it's a very kind of cute but weird moment between a mother and daughter. Now we're back with Sergio and Val and they're looking at photographs of Lucio from like his last birthday. And it's clear that Val's still feeling super guilty about the whole thing. And Sergio hatches this plan. Let's talk to him. Let's go find a medium who can help us talk to him. Yeah, and I go back and forth between kind of feeling like this is a little bit of a too easy plot fix for the show to get everybody where they need to go. Maybe it is fate or destiny that that's the person they pick. Another thing that happens in the scene is Val gives Sergio a copy of the book that the psychiatrist dude wrote she is peddling this book i think she's making she's buying more copies of this book than anyone else on earth and handing them out to all her friends she's one of those people 
Yeah, she's number one fan. And this actually prompts the search for the media. Because he's like, no, he doesn't believe this book. And she's like, a lot's happened to me lately and it's made me believe. He's like, okay, well, let's go talk to a medium and, and talk to Lucha. I love that that's his like, solution to life. He's so straightforward. Like, painfully straightforward. <laughs> we spend a lot of time wondering when he does stuff, if it's something more, we've always come to the consensus, like, nope, he's just straightforward. It's true. During this whole thing, Val actually tells Sergio about Jules's dad coming back, being resurrected after being electrocuted. And he's just like, it's ridiculous. It can't possibly be true. He's like laughing. I think that this show blends reality with mysticism extremely well because everything is rooted in reality with the exception of these people dying and coming back and switching bodies so you have to bridge that gap between living in the real world but people also being open to this idea yeah and the fact that they play it so that everybody's skeptical at first adds to the realism of that anyway so they do this search and they look they google it literally because why wouldn't you although it's not google it's some search engine thing and the first number like is disconnected the next one is you know got a lot of stars but this person also does like yoga or something and they're skeptical about it and then eventually they find one and then the camera sort of pans and you see death standing there like at least i assume it's death since it's some random woman and there's also this sound effect that leads you to believe that that's death here we go now we're back with Lupe and Jules and this is the scene where Lupe's telling Jules about a sex dream she had about El Chino. I'm not convinced that mothers should talk to their daughters about their sex dreams. I was just thinking that's probably like the conversation we're gonna have for the patrons exclusive what like how open should parents and children be with one another. <laughs> Because there's, yeah, there's a whole lot to unpack here. There is indeed. But they've always had a different relationship. Like, Lupe took care of her, but they were on the run alone together. Like, it's just, it's different. Single moms, in particular, have a different relationship with their kids than people in a couple. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. What's interesting about that conversation is... Jules looks at Lupe and says, are you seriously still in love with Chino? And then Lupe looks kind of guilty about it. And this is, bear in mind, this is after her and Panchito have slept together now. Oh, is that the first time? We don't know. We haven't seen any other times, but it possibly. We know for certain at least this one did happen. And it's interesting how different the relationship is between Lupe and Panchito and Jules and Val in terms of sex. But anyway, that's a whole different thing. And Jules cannot believe that Lupe still is holding a torch for Alcino. Like, what is wrong with her? So she literally says, I can't believe it. She rolls her eyes and she just, like, leaves. Nope. We are now at the psychic's place, the medium lady. So Sergio and Val are sitting in front of this woman who's got her eyes closed and there's, like, a candle or something smoky in front of them. And Sergio is very skeptical about this. He says to Valentina, how long do you think this is going to take? She may not make it back. She says, your friend is here. And immediately they're like, is it Lucho? 
And then she proceeds to talk as if Lucia is talking through her. With the basic message of, please tell my father that I stole his money from his between his ties. And I'm sorry about that. And he basically forgives Val and says, like, stop blaming yourself for what happened. I did it willingly. I think this is meant to close that, give her some kind of closure. Yeah, absolutely. But there's still, you know, they think maybe he could be reincarnated as somebody else. The dynamic between Sergio and Val is hilarious, though, because it is that kind of like childhood friends. Yeah, like I would totally watch them in a buddy cop drama. Absolutely. And then he, you know, Lucio goes off to wherever he is. He seems to be happy. And then the medium chick is hilarious because when she comes back, she's like, you can tell he was annoying. (laughs) So everybody thought Lucio was annoying. Another important thing that happens in the scene is Val wants to talk to her father. But now this chick was helping Beltran. So she knows that Val's father is in Jacob's body. And so she's like, I can't do it. And Val's like, I'll, I'll give you three times the money, please. And she's like, sometimes things get complicated. And your dad is a very special case. And then death comes wandering around and looking creepily at Val. I don't know how Val managed to not look at this woman who was right here next to her, right? I mean, I think that's a very important part of acting. Well, that's true. And then Val discovers that her father is still alive. As they're leaving, Beltran walks in. And Val is on one. She's she's so funny sometimes and like unintentionally so. Explain why you're saying that. They want to come back. So Sergio asks when that can be. And she's like, tomorrow? Can we come back tomorrow? But she just, yeah, these earnest moments of humor where she's not trying to be funny. But it's also very real. I think if I were in that situation, I would feel the exact same way. Because she just found out her dad might be alive. Yes. And then Beltran walks in and she doesn't know who he is uh, other than he paid Lupita's hospital bill. And so she says that to him and he's like, and who are you? And then she says, Valentina Giuliano's friend. And then he grabs her and hugs her. Now she's being held by this very strange man who's then pressing her, where is she? Where is she? Where is she? Because he also discovered that they've left the house. And then he wants her number. Oh, he wants her number. Val's number. So Val gives him her her number. Well, he's scary. Yes, but would you give some scary dude your number? I mean, I think if I thought it would get me out of this situation, because he said your actual number, and I don't think he meant, like, your number. He meant, don't give me a fake number. So sometimes very persistent men will then call you in front of them to make sure you didn't give them a fake number. So can't always give a fake number. Sometimes you just got to cut and run, give a real number. Wow. It wouldn't even occur to me to phone the number in front of the person. That's just so Mm -hmm. plucky. Sergio's like, what was he talking about? And Val was like, Jules is not at the house anymore. And Sergio was like, oh, well, let's just phone her and find out where she is. Right. You can be so mad at things that have happened with Sergio. You can be frustrated by him as a character. But you can't argue that 
Sometimes his straightforwardness is incredibly helpful. Like, sometimes it's really messed up and he and Juliana sleep together. But sometimes it's very, very good and it leads to Val and Juliana getting back together in the same room. Absolutely. And this is why I don't think Sergio's like got bad intentions or whatever it is. I think when he realized that there was nothing between him and Jules, that she wasn't at all interested, he was like, okay, well, I'm not going to push my luck and I'm going to do something good for these two. And he phones her and says, where are you? Did you go to Costa Rica? And she's like, no, no, she's still in the city. And he's like, oh, cool. Well, where are you? Send me your address. And I love Val in this scene because she's not even saying anything. She's just watching Sergio talk on the phone and he's kind of messing with Val by what he's asking to Juliana and Val's just, you can see she's like beside herself wanting information. I think it's so well played. Again, would watch the heck out of these two in like a buddy cop movie. Completely. He says to Jules, he's going to bring her a dessert. And Val's reaction to this She's like, do I look like a dessert to you? <laughs> and Sergio is so pleased with himself, and I'm pleased with him too. That's the moral of that story. I think we were all like egging him on. Yes, Sergio, do it. So I mean, they've been apart for so long at this point, like a whole day or something. Right, but in terms of episodes, I think it was like four or five episodes we didn't see them together. No, then there was uh, Lucho's uh, funeral. And we saw them during that. And uh, Sergio had a nap. And they had a chance to talk. But at that point, Val wasn't ready to do anything or even talk about anything because Lucho just died. Right. And I, yes, you are correct. And to me, there's kind of like levels. There's like when they're together and happy, when they're together but miserable, and when they're not together, but talking about each other. And then when they're not together and doing their own things, those are like the four different ways that they can exist. And they haven't been together and happy since before Lupe catches them in the kitchen, having that kiss, even though they're not dating, which was, that really was forever ago. So they've been, they've been going through it. Indeed. So the medium lady and Beltran are having a conversation about what just happened. And he's just discovered that Val, who he just met, is the girl who is in love with his daughter. And he's saying four leaf clovers are normal. Two girls together are not normal, basically. This is the funniest scene for me because she keeps smacking him on the chin while she's saying to him, like, think about this. Do you think it's a coincidence death has been meddling in our lives? And that they're the, she's not saying this, but it's implied, you know, that they're the two people that overlap in this whole situation. Absolutely. And that's been the premise since, like, the first episode. I think you were talking about how death intervenes so that they can be together. Death ships so, them. Everybody knows that. Death ships them. There we go. Every, any Julian Tina scholar worth their salt <laughs> knows. There's a knock on the door, and Jules goes to open it, and Sergio's standing there. And then he's like, are you happy to see me? And she's laughing, and she turns around, says, obviously I'm happy to see you. Grabs her handbag, and then he says, remember us bringing you dessert? So she looks around, confused, and Val steps into the doorway. And there's this moment. And nothing in the world exists except the two of them, and even Sergio just like closes the door and leaves. He's just leaving them to it. 
this scene has been building up for a really long time. And I like that they, the show gives them the space to actually have it, you know, they're in this kind of safe apartment where they can actually talk about things. Sergio leaves. There's no imminent threat. So they really do just get to kind of talk about everything. And yeah, I think the way it's shot with kind of moving around them, it's very well done and very sweet. I do wish there would have been a kiss here, but I get that they're like not technically together or whatever. But that's one thing I would have liked to have seen in this scene. Val is such a study of insecurity here. She's just spoken to Lucio, so she's feeling better about that whole scenario. For the first time, that weight is off her shoulders. She also finally found Jules, so there's this kind of relief. But she's worried, because Jules didn't tell her that she was leaving the house. So she doesn't know where she stands with Jules. And all of this is written on her face as she approaches Jules. And she spends a lot of time looking at Jules' mouth. Just longingly. But again, I like that they actually, they answer all of these questions, pans to Juliana sitting and Val kind of sitting lower, staring at her and asking why she left and didn't tell her. And Jules explains it was very fast, it was a last minute decision, and you told me you needed space. And then there's a beat before Val says, I say some stupid stuff sometimes, you know, and then they both kind of laugh about it. And then Val's catching Jules up on the whole medium experience and whatever it is. But the whole time, her eyes are flicking between Jules's eyes and, and lips. So it's this very intimate, close-up scene between the two of them, even with the conversation being relatively mundane. Val's talking about how she's interpreting the whole thing about her father still being alive. Could be that he's on another planet. Could be metaphorical. She doesn't actually know. And then she tells Jules that they ran into Beltran and that he's desperately looking for them. Juliana is just a picture of surprise during this whole conversation, even though she knows that transmigration exists. Everything is just blowing her mind right now. And then Lupe comes in and there's this tension between her and Val because the last time that the three of them were together, there was this argument. But they got to a better place when they helped rescue Juliana. They did, but there's still, like, you know, it's one of these things where you can kind of go, okay, I get it, but there's still kind of tension there. Yeah. No, absolutely, because they were in this crazy situation where they just had to get Juliana back. And once she was back, it's kind of like, okay, well, where do things shake out? Like, I know Val knew that Lupe was appreciative of Val helping, but that doesn't necessarily mean I want you and my daughter to be together. So... Lupe's kind of had that conversation with Juliana, but she hasn't ended up being in the same place to have it with Valentina. So there's this kind of awkward hello, but she does say hello. And then she starts leaving saying, you know, I'll give you guys your, your privacy. And then she turns around, remembers something, turns around and says, I'm so sorry about your sister. And that I think is where we're going to stop today's episode. We'll pick up with the next bomb that's just dropped in Val's life. (laughs) And one other thing I will say about this scene to round out the episode is you can tell how much it impacts Val because when Lupe turns around unexpectedly, she flinches. Yes. She physically flinches and it's so hard to watch. 
because she doesn't know what Lupe is going to do because the last time when Lupe caught them kissing, she put her hands on Val. Like, she was physically aggressive to her. So I think it's good that the show doesn't lose that you know it's not just a quick like oh everything's sunshine and roses um but they are able to start you know moving forward imagine trying to keep track of all of those things because you literally have people whose whose job it is to track continuity imagine being the continuity person who has to track such big story arcs with so many people and so many scenes and all part of the same day and then as the actor, you've got to go like, okay, now where am I in this emotional arc? There are actually people who who do, they like break down the, the script and say, okay, here I'm angry about what happened in that other scene. So that when they shoot out of order. Right. I was just going to say that they're not necessarily filmed in order. You don't get to go through the experiences organically like somebody would have yeah. them. Sometimes you film the end at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I actually think about this a lot because I like to watch multi-season television shows after they've already aired and you get a different experience being able to watch just like season after season probably not good for you but you know what that's not the conversation I'm here to have um but you really get to see how plots evolve and how cliffhangers work at the end of the season and you get to look at it from like a higher level and a little bit more objectively and sometimes you can just see how shows like completely bungle continuity across seasons or I think like Bones is a great example if you're familiar with that tv show where she's like a forensic anthropologist it lasted for 12 seasons and you just accept certain things are kind of like wrong when they get into the backstory of people because the timeline wouldn't work but they wanted to like include it in the show but I mean yeah I actually I spent a lot of time thinking about those so that's where we're going to end today's episode thank you for joining me you're listening to lesbians on screen I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by author Monica McKellen Monica can you tell listeners where they can find you online very socially active online uh, just depends on what channel uh, so twitter is my jam if you want to communicate with me and have the best probability that i will communicate back so it's at monica mccallan and that's on twitter i do have a facebook fan page and i have a website www.monicamccallan.com but for sure if you're looking to hang out and engage and chat about stuff twitter is where you can find me Thank you for listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that delves into the world of queer women on big and small screens. Join us next week as we continue discussing the global phenomenon that is Julian Tina. If you love this podcast, then rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and help other fans find us.